Every day, 130 Americans die from opioid overdose. Some of us are in invisible prisons today, even as we try to appear free. Sales of alcoholic beverages are up 55% compared to a year ago. I believe God's going to set you free. Welcome, friends, to another episode here on the Recovering Reality Podcast. As you know, we, we took a little break. It's been, I think, five, six weeks since we've done one. And it wasn't planned. And it was wonderful. It was quite nice taking a little break. We got a whole bunch of good guests lined up and some, uh, some new content to be releasing. And I am particularly excited today. I have a close friend on Brandon Patterson. Brandon, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. I believe you. Brandon uh, recently joined us, the, the migration that's taking place to Florida. And you are, you've been a Floridian now for how long? Almost six, seven months coming up. How, how do you like it, man? I'm is it as good as advertised? <laughs> it is. It's even yes, better. It <laughs> you are 100% correct about that. Brandon is also the youngest guest i've ever had on the show uh but what he he lacks in years he makes up for in wisdom perseverance some some business understanding and i'm excited to have this conversation today i have a lot of friends that come on they are friends brandon and i like we hang out you know he plays with my kids we go to the have we been to the beach yet down here together yeah i, I don't think, think so. so yeah yeah we've been to naples before oh yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah we have uh-huh. So many of the people I have on are friends or people I live, you know, by and spent time with. And uh, we, we definitely maintain our relationship. Brandon and I are, are hanging out frequently with his fiance. Uh, Brandon has a recovery story, which we're going to jump into a little bit. But also one of the reasons why I brought him on, which I, I might do a little bit more of this, I'm wanting to on the show, um, is just tackle a bit more of the entrepreneurial mindset. And what comes into that? Because, and, and I'll air my thinking out with this, but I, I want people to know Brandon um, has been a recovery story. I'm going to let him tell that story, but is also 22 and is also a six-figure year earner uh, and is an entrepreneur. And I thought very, I, I put some thinking into whether or not I wanted to say six figures. And I brought it up to Brandon too. And I was very intentional and I did that on purpose because so many people that I interact with, meet with, coach, speak, these different situations that are in recovery, you know, struggling with addiction and recovery, they are entrepreneurs at heart. I believe some of them don't even know it because they've never pursued it and they haven't been able to kind of put their thumb on it. But I just believe so, we're creative, energetic, want to change, want to do something new. And so when I see people who are living in a measure of wholeness and healing and freedom and able to do that, it's a big deal. And to put a number attached to it, I, I think I personally think it's important too, because it just shows like, hey, this is what's possible. If, if Brandon can do it, I can do it. If, if, if we can do it, anyone can do it. But what's the, what's the mindsets and things that motivate us to get there? So I preface that before we begin our conversation, maybe it was a bit of a long intro, but Brandon, I know a good amount of your story, <laughs> uh, but not all of it, um, but mm-hmm. you're, you're not born and raised in Florida. Uh, where are you originally from? 
So originally from a little town called Garricksville, Ohio, just a small little town, uh, close-knit community. Everyone knows everyone. Hesitant in saying this, but I will. If you want to know a little bit about maybe what Yerkesville is like, um, type Yerkesville into Urban Dictionary and see. Have you typed it in there before, Brandon? I have. <laughs> it's not a good. It's not a good definition, but it gives you a little bit of context of where Brandon is from. Okay, um, but tell us a little bit, man. Um, tell us a little bit about about childhood and a little bit of what the world looked like through your lens growing up. Okay. Um... You know, from it, it's crazy because I've I've known what drugs were and are uh, since I've been as young as as young as I can start having memories. Those memories are right there, along with all the good memories. Uh, so I, I've seen that my entire life. Um, but I'll take you clear back to my childhood of uh, being even five and six years old and just seeing addiction in the family and in my own household, uh, which had then resulted in me living with an aunt for a while. Um, but my family was still well-structured. My dad, you know, was the glue of the family uh, to say he kind of carried everyone, it seemed like. Uh, but even from my siblings, um, I've watched them completely go clear to the bottom through rehabs and, and jails. So being a, a young child and seeing these things, I thought that I would never want a part of any drug, any, anything of that matter. It was just something that I wanted to be a far, as far away as possible from. And uh, growing up, I, I just, it didn't happen for me. It was I never used it as a young person um, until I got into my later teens. But uh, as I as I watched my family, there's a few events that were kind of really stuck with me. And it starts clear back at the age of five and six when I lost a nephew, my my sister's first child. And that's kind of when she went off the deep end and I watched her lose her house, her cars started going to jail rehabs over and over again. How and old were you at this point? I was, I was about uh, six years old at that point. Oh, okay. So these are your earliest memories. Wow. So, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, a little before that, I, I don't, I don't have much, much recollection of, you know, I have small memories here and there, but, uh, real memories that really stuck. I remember being at my nephew's funeral and I, I knew what was going on in the family. You know, I, I feel like I was smarter than most kids. I was really we kind of have to grow up fast in that environment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're pushed out of the zone and it's like tough to be a kid. So as, as I watched this happen, you know, all we can do is, is hope and pray for the best and it was watch on my family. And as we fast forward, you know, she, she just had went completely down the drain and I'm like, wow, I never, I never want this. I, I don't wish this on anyone. I don't wish it on myself. I don't wish this on my family. 
And these events continued to happen throughout my life, major events. Um, and I remember being even in high school and just still my, my family battling this, this addiction. And uh, even, even uncles and aunts and cousins, I, I've just watched, I've, I've watched families be torn apart, kids be taken. And it was terrible to watch. But fast forward to even high school, uh, another huge event in my life that I was just like, wow, I, I definitely don't want a part of this is my brother. I woke up one night to the sound of knocking on the door. It's pounding on the door. And my uncle says, hey, your, your truck. I just heard your trucks fire up. I think your brother took your truck. And so I get up and, and go outside and sure enough, my truck's gone. And what happened, I tracked him on find my iPhone and my brother had stolen my truck to go, to go get high pretty much. And, um, he overdosed in the truck on his way home and thank goodness I had find my iPhone and we were able to track him. By the time we found him, he was turning blue and purple inside the truck with his foot stuck on the gas pedal, just spinning out in the field. And uh, he was, he was dying. So we picked him up and threw him in the passenger seat. And I'm just a kid in high school. My dad said, drive as fast as you can to the, to the hospital. I got to go get your mom. So I drive my brother to a hospital with him beside me, barely breathing. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm freaking out. What do I do? My brother's about to die right beside me. And we make it to the hospital and I carry him inside and I lay him down and I'm screaming for a doctor. And um, luckily they were able to do what they needed to do and he made it. But uh, it was just a heart-wrenching event that it just, it, it, it leaves a print on you. It sure does. It, it does. I, I remember you telling me that story. Mm-hmm. sitting on my couch in Dover, Ohio, uh, and experiences like that, especially at a young age, they change the lens through which you see the world. They can't not. They, you, you grow up much faster and um, little things and big things take on much different mm-hmm. meanings. And that I, I'm jumping ahead and giving away some of your story, but I know that has provoked you and changed you in some good ways. You know, um, I can even see now, you know, as there's more to your story to be told and we'll get into, but you know, I, I, you are someone that's wise behind your, uh, wise beyond your years and experiencing some of that stuff when you're young, process it and healing from it, man, that'll, that'll get you a girl quick, won't it? Absolutely. And I feel like I've been forced to grow up my entire life. You know, I, I definitely got to enjoy some years as a child, but um, you just have those big events. And, and that's where I think a lot of my wisdom comes from is because, hey, kid, you're going to you're going to go out into this world and, and you're going to make it or there's no other choice. This world's going to conquer you or you're going to conquer it. One of the two. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Fight or flight, man. So so here are in high school, you, you've been experiencing. Uh, maybe not firsthand, but witnessing rather uh, addiction uh, and Mm -hmm. uh, the fruit of it your entire life. And um, I know this much as well. uh, Sports 
was a big part of your, your high school experience, right? You were a good athlete. Absolutely. Yeah. I was uh, a three sport athlete all the way up until my senior year, I decided to ditch football and focus all in on wrestling. And, um, but I was always doing something. I, I was getting good grades, excellent student in school. Um, always did well, was, was always at, at practice and uh, just working hard and trying to be the best person that I could be. And I had aspirations to go become a dentist um, in my high school years, which I always had jobs too. I, I wasn't only an athlete. I remember having, you know, talking about being an entrepreneur, I remember being a kid and, and either mowing grass or shoveling snow or you name it. I mean, I was raking leaves. I was doing anything I could to make a dollar. I used to sell beef jerky at school. You know, I would, <laughs> you know, deer jerky. And, Only uh, in Ohio, man. Are you going to be yeah. selling jerky at school? Oh, I love that. It's awesome. A young entrepreneur yeah. selling deer jerky in rural Ohio <laughs> at school. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Hey, anything to make a dollar back then. That's, uh, yeah, that's just always been on my mind. You know, I, I have a love for it. I love it. And it's, it's still playing out. So we've alluded to it. And, but so you graduate, um, obviously stayed right there in that area. When, when did some issues start presenting themselves in your life when it came, when it comes to substances, abuse, addiction, these things? So actually, um, first kind of encounter with some stuff you could actually go back to being a child i remember my brothers they were smoking weed and had me in the car and they're like here suck on this like a mcdonald's straw and i had no idea what was happening <laughs> you know like how could you yeah yeah and um but i don't have a lot of memory of that uh, i used to kind of do anything they'd say pretty much and wild high school brothers you know they just laugh about it but um I, I had some experiences in high school, uh, later high school, more than anything with like trying marijuana and stuff for the first time and never liked it and never, you know, clung to it. It was kind of there and gone. And then fast forward to graduation in 2017, I graduate in May and July 4th of 2017, my father passed away, mm. which that was we had mentioned, you know, forced to grow up. That was the real moment that, you know, cause dad was the breadwinner of the family. He had taken care of the family. And like I'd mentioned before, he was the glue. So that was the moment where it's like, you're in this world and you got to go take care of yourself pretty much um, as, as a young man. And then, then I find myself fast forward, you know, I, I am working hard doing what I can, working multiple jobs. And I remember the first encounter I ever had with cocaine was on a job site. I saw it, you know, I saw the workers doing it and I'm like, wanted no part of it still. But you fast forward after that summer, I was in a college dorm room and that same substance encountered me. And I was with friends it was uh, almost like a peer pressure thing and like, oh, I want to try this. Curiosity caught the cat. And I didn't think it grabbed me like it would. I was never that person. And I never thought that I would ever do it. But for whatever reason, I think I was just going through a lot of things. 
I had had a lot of emotions on my back and figured out why not? I'm strong enough. You know, I, I thought that I was too strong to get hooked. Isn't and it interesting how the, how the mind begins to convince you things? I mean, you saw it your whole mm-hmm. life. You know, you saw it your All entire my whole life. life. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you, you, you were in front of it at different times, you know, on the job side and whatnot. You said no. Um, right situation, right timing, some emotional stress, peer pressure. And it, it appears there's no, it appears that you have to do it in that situation. Mm-hmm. It, it, our mind is like, ah, this you're here, whatever, try it. It's not going to be a problem. Whatever lie the mind tells you, a million different things. I'll manage it. It's not a big deal. Whatever lie we want to tell ourselves. And something you saw your whole life and said, no, there's no way you find yourself in a college dorm room caught in the situation, huh? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened is it sold me on the lies. I bought the lies and that was it. It was downhill from there on out mm-hmm. now that at what age were you when that when that started i'd say that was eight, 18 turning 19 okay and and what did the progression of that look like man was it immediate all of a sudden you just went and bought an eight ball that night or was it like weeks later you're at a party again how did, how did that look the progression of it was it, it wasn't right away grab it was kind of like a every once in a while thing it was um a couple months later all the same guys are at a party and they're doing it and it was like oh okay well my friends are doing it i'm going to do it and that kind of repeated itself for a little while and i never looked at it as like a problem then because i wasn't doing it all the time but that was just another lie i was telling myself that i was buying you know, the devil was selling me another lie and I was buying it and, and running with it. Uh, and over time, those every other months turned into every other weekends. And then those every other weekends turned into weekends. And then I found myself on a Wednesday afternoon after crashing, feeling tired and doing the same stuff multiple times a week, mm-hmm. which caused problems not only with my health, uh, but my relationship started to crumble and it basically forced me. I, I knew what I was doing was wrong the whole time. And, but I kept buying the lies. No matter, there was always that voice in the back of my head telling me you shouldn't be doing this. Then it was like, when it was time, it was amazing. And then after I felt like crap, then it was like, Oh, why'd you do this? But then mm-hmm. you heal up and you do it over again, you know, three days later on Saturday and you're in the same cycle. It's just a vicious cycle. It is. And it's progressive exactly the way you described. And it's, you know, it's on the weekends. It's not much thought about it. It's um, at the party again. They're doing it. And all of a sudden the obsession sort of comes in seed form and we give it our attention and it slowly begins to sink its roots mm-hmm. down in us. But I, I would say, this you were also living into a pretty decent measure of success during some of this time is that correct i was um Mm -hmm. so i'd had my real estate license at the time and when i wasn't partying pretty much i was working which 
I, I was like a workaholic almost. That's what I really focused on is chasing my dreams. I've always been a motivated individual. Um, and I've always had a desire for personal development and growth and aspirations to change my family tree. You know, I, I want to make a mark on my family tree and be different than everyone else. Um, that's always been a, a goal of mine. So take us through, take us through a little bit about when the, the end of, of, of that. And let me ask you this as well. Do you, it, it's, it's just interesting to me because I, I want to assess the reality of when people are in addiction, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I hear people say things, oh, it was never any fun. It's terrible. That's, it, it is terrible. And there's, there's no proper way to paint it in a, it'll work out great for you sort of like, you know, you see on like every alcohol commercial. You know, then they're never hugging the toilet, puking. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Give me a break. They're on the boat. They're on the beach. They're at a party. They're enjoying a glass of wine late at night. It's it's always a very inviting picture, right? And <clears throat> for you, you talked about how the you know bought the lies, you know the party, the glamour, the whatever of it. Uh, you still did were able to maintain for a while. Um, but one of the things that is powerful about your story that I believe is you, you were able to see the writing on the wall before the rug was pulled out from under you. Right. Mm-hmm. And let me ask you this first. Do you believe you could have maintained your professional career if you would have continued using? Absolutely not. Um, back then, I, I would have. You were able told- to for a brief minute. Yeah. Yeah. And I did did it well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I did it well. And that was, that was when I had to really open up and be honest with myself and kind of realize if you go down this, that's like you said, the writing on the wall, you know, which I've seen that writing unfold. I've seen the rug pulled out from under my family. I've seen cousins lose their kids. I've seen all of that. And that, I think that's why, I was in a spot that I was, but I was definitely managing it. I was having fun. And I, th- I thought that it was making me work quicker and faster. Probably so, was making you work quicker and it, faster. It, Just it not as effective, was. maybe. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, but when it was time to work, I, I went and worked and um, I, I was doing, you know, amazing. It, it was amazing. It was, it was fun. And um but that came to a screeching halt, definitely. Uh, so, so take us through it a little bit, man. What, what did that look like? Because it's, it's been um, a decent amount of time. You know, you've been free for a little bit now. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, over a year, if you, if you don't mind my disclosing. <laughs> but what, what did that look like, man? What did early on look like for you? And learning to live in, in real freedom? Um, coming, walking out of it, you mean? Kind of like, and, and becoming free? Yeah, yeah, me. like what did the decision making, how, how tough was it early on for you? It, it was, it was tough. Um, I knew I had to change and I wanted to change. And I definitely, you know, I, I, I knew the problem was there. So first I acknowledged it and, um, and I had, I had some, support behind me, uh, relationships that carried me through definitely. Um, but that, I mean, it kind of looked like, uh, 
there, there was just a better future out there for me. And I knew it. And I knew I wasn't walking in my full potential at that point. And that's that I just wasn't walking in the plan that God had for me. So I, I knew there was something that had to take place. And then that's when we found you, thankfully. Um, and and let, with, I want to say this real quick. and we'll, we'll jump right back in there. But you, you make a good point. And um, Bradley Cooper, the actor, mm-hmm. um, American Sniper, and many other movies, yeah. you know, it, he, he's in recovery. And I believe it's something like 20 years. He hasn't had a drink or something like that. Um, and, and I might butcher this, but there's a quote that he's being interviewed and he's is asked about his recovery. And he says something to the effect of, um, I, I was terrified that I wouldn't meet my full potential. I think it was a little, you know, a sentence or two, but that's the gist of it. He was saying, I could see what I was, what the potential of my life, what I was capable of. And I knew living this way, I would never get there. He said, and it terrified him. It scared him to think. I'm going to squander all this. And it drove him. In. And, and, you know, there was a measure of that for me as well. I had, I had so many opportunities. I could have done music and I was like getting attention from the media locally from the music, uh, you know, sports and could have played college football. These different, you know, writing for newspapers, these different things. And I was really good at starting them, but I couldn't see it all the way through. But it, it was when I heard that quote from him, and I'm hearing you say it right now, when I heard that. Um, I was like, man, I can so relate to that because there was these opportunities that I had too. And the regret starts weighing on you. You know, the weight of, oh, I wish I would have done that or this starts to weigh on you. And I just think it's, I just think it's powerful a story that needs to be told that at the age of 21, you were able to see the writing on the wall and face it before, you know, people say rock bottoms where you decide to stop digging. That's, you know, I've heard it said different ways. And it's just a simple explanation that I've come up with rock bottom. And, you know, people are saying it's when you're laying in the gutter, this, when you, you lose everything, well, it can look a bunch of different ways, but it's really simple. It's just where you decide to stop digging mm-hmm. and you were able to see you had more potential and stop digging. And it's just a story that needs to be, people need to know you can do that. You can change Absolutely. the story before it gets too bad. <laughs> you can, you can, you're writing, you got an empty book. Um, you know, with pages that are blank and it's up to you. And I want to say something really quick, what you just said, you know, when you said you felt that pressure on you, like you had missed these things, that's disappointment. And what disappointment is, all it is, is a missing of appointments. So God in our life, it's good. Simple. It's good. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. He brings these appointments to us. And when you miss those things in return, you have disappointment. Um, but a lot of hope, you got to have a lot of hope too. There is hope and you can change and you're never too far gone. No matter if you're 10 years deep and you've lost your kids and have no car, no job, no nothing. I believe that you can totally turn your life around, but it's going to take work and action. And even someone like me that, you know, didn't get as deep, it still took some hard work, some intentionality and a lot of, you know, thoughts to myself and and finding out who I truly wanted to be. Is it, is it safe for me to say that a couple of the things that benefited you most was your willingness to seek support and be accountable? I would say those are 
you alluded to it and I, and I interjected and then and mentioned Bradley Cooper and, and, and what we talked about there, but you alluded how, you know, at that point in your journey, then you found me, we started working together, but you were also meeting with other people doing other, it wasn't just me. Yeah, that's right. I was, um, I was also being discipled yep. uh, and, and that basically I started building a community around myself that um, give myself some accountability. So it was like, you got to stick to this because if you don't, it's bad, bad news, bad news. So um, I, I definitely was scared. I was going to miss out on the life I knew I could create for myself. And that was a big, big motivator. So along the help with, with me recognizing that and then, you know, finding relationships to then push me through that threshold to get me on the other side of it, to walk in that life, then there was a big change. This is true. I have witnessed it. <laughs> so let, let me ask you this too. So you began this uh, pursuit as an entrepreneur, uh, successful, still using uh, that transition, uh, getting free from that and living free for that for some time now. What has the mindsets and lifestyle of being an entrepreneur, how has that changed since walking out this transformation? <clears throat> you know, some of the, I would say some of the biggest takeaways are just knowing I, I really had to dig deep. And, you know, I remember you telling me a lot, do some writing, do some writing. Oh, dude, I and, hammer that with everybody. And I force myself to do it whether I want to or not every day. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it is, you have to write. I agree a hundred percent with you. And uh, I'm so thankful that you got me to, Hey, order a journal. I remember, you know, sending the they order the cool ones. So you like looking at it, holding it, writing in it. <laughs> right. Yep. Uh -huh. And, uh, but what I got out of writing is I began to ask myself questions and I began to find out my why why I want to be successful, why I want to live this life. Um, but to kind of sum it up in a sentence, I would say I got to know my, not just normal beliefs, but spiritual beliefs, um, my ideas, concepts about myself. And in turn, I was able to have enough intentionality to be able to use these thoughts and ideas and beliefs to work on myself and taking myself through that and getting to know myself better and coming out, you know, with having this entrepreneurial mindset side by side that I think in business, when you can sit down and find out why you're doing something and have a care for it and you, you answer these questions about yourself, I think it's going to carry you and your business a lot further than not knowing if you have no answers to yourself and and where you want to go and why and how you can't get there yeah I, it's it's so true man one of the ways that i say it is you know if you if you don't know where you're going where are you going exactly <laughs> i mean it's it it and, and we hear it like that and it's like well, duh uh, but i've been guilty of it too we, we take something on, we want to do something, we, we want to grow, we see a problem in our life, we want to change, fill in the blank, and we, we just kind of go gung-ho, maybe the last thing will work for so-and-so, or I read a book or an article or whatever, and we just kind of dive in, it doesn't work out the way we want, and we step back 
disappointed or discouraged or whatever. Um, but you take, you take the approach of putting in the work in like you're describing um, over a season of processing, writing, accountability, questions, and working through that. I tell people all the time, man, recovery is kind of like, or transformation in general, because I don't just work with people in recovery, that's the bulk of it, but transformation in general is kind of like sitting and watching grass grow. It's like, I know technically because, you know, I, I understand the, the, the science behind it, if you will, like, even though I can't see it growing, that grass is growing. I know it is. But at the same time, if I just sit and stare at it, it's going to drive me nuts. But if I just do what it is I need to do, water it, trim it, you know, pull weeds and just allow the grass to do what it is, which is grow when taken care of, then I can sit back and I can observe and I can say, yes, I am growing. Oh, I, uh, and and I I tell people that because it's like, you know, you sit and stare at grass, it feels like it's going to take forever. You can't watch it grow. Right. And so you sit and watch it grow. It's like nothing's happening. Yeah, but if you just stop staring at it and take care of it and come back a week, you're going to see that it needs to be mowed. You'll have evidence of the growth. And so it can seem like it's going to take forever. But what seems like forever, actually, in a month or two, you could be in a dramatically different place, like a totally different place. But it's just not it's not a magic trick either. You're not going to do it overnight. You can't just stare at the grass and watch it grow a foot. It doesn't work like that. But it can happen much faster than we think. And it's exactly the way you're describing it. But you put the work in. So let me ask you this, in your experience, what is it you'd share to the person who feels like they need to ask themselves the why? What is it you'd share with the person who's in that space and hasn't been able to turn a corner on the issue there, the issue at hand? I would say one of the most important things um, that I think that I, I did was just be raw and be real and honest. You have to be completely honest with yourself. You need to find out where you're at currently, where you want to be, and what's motivating you. And sometimes people, they find the wrong why. You know, it's not enough to, to stir that inner, that beast inside of you because we all have it inside of us. We're here to dominate. You know, we're here, we're, we're the top of the food chain. Um, so you got to stir that beast up and go be a monster I like it, man <laughs> so uh yeah just be real and honest and, and 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 dig deep you know let me let me ask you this man you in in the process of you walking out the transformation how did your vision for the future change because and i'll, I'll preface it you know it's like you, you did have a vision or you wouldn't have accomplished what you accomplished, even in the midst of some addiction, right? Now, you, you, the work never stopped, but there was a personal transformation that took place as the work continued. How has the vision for the future changed now that you're walking in this freedom and continuing your entrepreneurial pursuit? Definitely more clarity. And um, I would say I feel less stressed. I don't have to the more I pray, the less I have to worry. And, uh, so I just feel more comfortable where I'm at. And I know that I'm forever a work in progress. And that's okay. Uh, but I definitely have my eyes set on a target. And I'm still going there. But, you know, my lens has 
has grown, I would say. It's, you know, I'm not a horse with the blinders on anymore. I have those off and, and I think I have more, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of, um, I can't think of the word. I have like a kind of a better outlook on things. and Peripheral view, bigger yeah, perspective. And I, yeah, and when things come at me, I'm able to deal with them differently. Uh, I'm able to now use my thoughts and process them a little more. You know, I think you had, it was maybe Dr. Caroline Leaf that was on and talking about how many thoughts you had in a day. And it's um, crazy, man. Tens of thousands. It is crazy. But uh, I think I'm now after going through that, I'm able to recognize these triggers and thoughts and um, just kind of take them in and process them and, and then out the other side. So let me dig into that a little bit, man. That's because that's a really, really important part, not just recovery. Now, this is a tool that is vital to good recovery, but this could be this this principle can be used for many different things. And it really is about just taking control of our thinking, mm -hmm. taking those wrong thoughts captive and getting rid of them. Right. Right. Take us through practical in your world. Uh, a trigger takes place. Uh, maybe not specifically a trigger to want to go use, you know, maybe you can use that example, but a, a high stress situation, something, how is it, what, what's the action steps? What's the hands-on, what's the real-time things you do to stay on top of that and process that in a healthy way? So when that thought comes, um, first I, I notify my significant other. Um, so not only I'm aware of the situation, someone else is, which there's, part of the accountability. Mm -hmm. uh, but I also go back to what we were just talking about is I ask myself those questions. And then I give myself real answers because I'm already walking in a place where I'm free. So I know the truth. I don't have to listen to lies anymore. So I find those truths and I use them to my advantage. And then truth as a weapon. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's my arsenal. I pull out the truth gun and and the rest falls down. You know, it's like once you analyze that really quick, which it happens super quick, you're like, oh, you know, it might sound super good. And you're like, oh, no, no, no. I, I just went through this. I know what this is about. And then, you know, you're able to kind of wash it out and, and it'll go away. I like it, man. You know, I, uh, on that real quick, um, there was a, uh, uh, sorry, a TEDx, a TED talk yeah. on <clears throat> a lady who was talking about trauma to the brain and she was talking about triggers. And I think in the context, she was talking about kind of PTSD and being triggered. Um, but the same applies to maybe being triggered in our addiction, you know, and, and it's good to put this in the, like, maybe, maybe your trigger is different. Maybe the listener trigger is like a divorce you've been through and it's an ex. Maybe it's a name of someone that comes up that took some money. Maybe it's whatever, you know, and there's some forgiveness that needs to be dealt with. Nonetheless, when the trigger comes, it's interesting because most of this will be accurate, okay? It's been a minute since I watched the video, but the gist of this is going to be accurate. I maybe not remember all the exact detail, but I think it's 90 seconds. There's a chemical released in your body, and there's more going on than just your thinking. Your body starts to crave it. Uh, you, you feel the heart rate go up. It's in your physical body. After 90 seconds, that chemical dissipates and is gone. And everything after that is your thinking. But there's 90 seconds where it is physical. 
you get people who say that they're like smoking cigarettes, right? And they'll walk past and, and they'll smell it and boom, they can taste it in their mouth. They can remember the buzz. They can, everything's triggered in their body, but that hits you physically for only about 90 seconds. And after that, it's the, it's the game in the mind, everything right. you're talking about. It's the thoughts. It's the what if. It's the how come. It's the memories. It's the motion attached. It's all that swirling. And so I can appreciate so much because it's so much of the basics that I go over in my own personal life and the people I work with is it, what does it look like in real time? We can get as philosophical as we want and sound as intellectual and fantastic as we want. Well, that's and, and, it's, and it's good, right? But how does that apply in real time when... Uh, and, you know, we've had these conversations. So what does that look like real time when you walk into the gas station and you're two weeks sober and there's your dope man? Right. Accidentally, coincidentally. Yeah. What's that look like in real time to walk out? And I love what you're saying, man, because it's true. It's, it's work. First, you, like, you got to bring people into the situation. Mm-hmm. You do some writing. Be aware of your thinking. Be, um, be, be aware of how you're feeling about the situation, the memories that are coming up. And, and not everyone wants to do that work <laughs> yeah everyone wants to but but you've dove in now let me ask you this you're, you're experiencing the fruit of it even in your work and a move and a, a fiance and there's been so many good things that have come up right Tons what is that what is, i mean we could go on a long list in just your life man in the last you know over a year of a ton of amazing things that have happened what is what is daily what does this look like for you walking this out what what is it what is a what does an average day for you now look like spiritually emotionally going through the day now um spiritually i i'm definitely at a higher level than i've been ever before um definitely use the word of god as a tool (laughs) because that's an important one Mm -hmm. uh and then just you know living daily I'm in a spot where I built some confidence up and it's not even dealing with, with triggers at this point. It seems very easy, you know, because I, I've done this, like you said, you walk in the gas station and boom, there's, there's your dope man. Or you walk into a, you know, you're playing poker one night and boom, it's there. You, you just, it's out there. You go anywhere and you can run into this stuff a loud motorcycle passing but um (laughs) did you hear it oh yeah but um anyways yeah it's it's almost been an exercise it's like going to the gym once you go to the gym and you're consistent you're going to get stronger over time and that's how i feel at this point i feel like i've built some strength and i know you know like i said i'm the first thing i do is make someone aware and um the next steps following that it just kind of becomes a repetition thing that it it gets easier with time. Mm -hmm. And over time, it's like, you can brush that stuff, you know, off your shoulder and and keep moving forward with your head held high and know that, that you're walking on top. You're not going to be run by something else. That's going to ruin your life. I like that, man. I like that. So we've tied in the, the fact that you are an entrepreneur, right? Absolutely. Uh, a successful one and walking in new freedom. Let, let me ask you this. Is we, we tie it all together here. What, what encouragement would you give to somebody who 
has some sort of entrepreneurial dream. And that can look so many different ways. People don't realize it. They think, I, well, I have to go buy a business. You know, I got to, and there's a million ways to do it, especially in this day and age. What would you say to the person that has that idea, wants to do that thing, whatever it is that can't? What, what would be some of the encouragement you would give them and then practical sort of first steps to take to get some momentum with that? I would say that the initial thing, this kind of going back to what you said in the beginning of the video, I had a thought and I think I've told you this before. We talked about this for entrepreneurs. We all have, you know, and, and this is everyone, everyone has a gift and we miss it. Um, but sometimes God gives us a tree and not a table, but it's up to us to take action to build the table so mm. or like a fishing pole not dinner yeah yeah exactly yeah it's good there's, man. yeah there's a lot of, uh, of ways you could put that but um mm -hmm. essentially what it boils down to and we've spoke on this topic a lot throughout this this podcast here and um it's taking the action and that's what it truly takes when when you're out there you got to take the action and if you if you think for a second and you don't take action, if you take action right away, then there's time for change. If, if, you, if you let it overcome the action before you take the action, you might as well fall down and lay down for it. I mean, it's, you got to work. And um, if you step up to the plate and you, you just take action at it, you know, that's, I want to, I'm going to dig into this a little bit more because I'm, I'm realizing more and more and more these days that an entrepreneurial journey and a recovery journey are very similar. Absolutely. You're not going to do it right every time. No. Now, you know, to, to just be clear, if we're tying that to a recovery, that's not giving people license to relapse. Oh, it's okay. You're going to relapse. Just go ahead and just, you know, don't go too crazy though. It's not that. But in the midst of learning how to live free, I, well, I didn't know how to live. I don't know how to do that in early recovery. So I'm not going to do everything perfect all the time. And, the, and, and in the mid and the experience is always the best teacher. Mm -hmm. and, and being an entrepreneur is the same thing. A lot of people I think are afraid of it because they're like, well, I don't know how to do it. So therefore I'll probably make some mistakes. That's a guarantee. Yes, you will. You, <laughs> you ain't will never make... done it before. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So start doing so, it. What, how do you stay encouraged? in the midst of let's make it specific to your entrepreneurial pursuit. How do you stay encouraged when things aren't going the way you want for a minute, or you, you put your time and energy into something and it didn't work out the way you anticipated or fill in the blank, but how do you stay encouraged in, in those moments on your journey? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm honest with myself and uh, you're not going to win every time and that's okay. But what you can do in a situation like that is, take some positive from it because yeah, come on, I, could, I mean, I could, yeah, exactly. There's a lesson with everything. And um, I mean, I could go deep on this, but exactly. You gotta, you gotta dig out the positives because it might seem like a bad rotten situation and it probably is, but there's something on the other side of it. And what I've noticed when you feel these emotions and you feel this defeat and you feel pain and sadness on the other side of that, it's Newton's third law of motion is for every action, there's an equal opposite reaction. So when we feel sadness 
on the other side of something is actually joy. You just haven't found it yet. Um, and that goes for every emotion. You could list them off, you know, for just like going to, the, you know, I use the gym example on the other side of pain is reward. If you're going through pain, you're going to have a reward. You just have to be willing to find it. And if, if you throw a pity party, you're not going to find it. So you're not taking any positive from the situation. So you got to use that to your advantage. It's good, man. It's very true. It's very true. You know, if I'm, if I'm giving it an honest attempt, I'm really working hard at something and it's just not working out the way I know it can yet. I'm not failing. Exactly. People struggle. People struggle with that because you put yourself out there, man. You know, when you're an entrepreneur and you're the, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm the owner. I'm the CEO. I'm the advertiser, marketer. I'm the coach. I'm the schedule. You know, <laughs> I'm everything. If, yeah. if my business doesn't work out, who do I blame? Who's at fault? <laughs> exactly. And people, I think, in the back of their mind, they they realize that. Like, what do you? The freedom of it is lovely. Oh my gosh, I could be my own boss. Oh my gosh, I could live in freedom from addiction. Oh man, I can pursue my dreams over time and really make this happen. Yes, you can, and you're going to make mistakes. But if you're learning, there's a flip side to it, though. It's like, well, what if it doesn't work out? What if I put all this time and energy into it? And I just like to ask myself the opposite question in that space. People say, what if it doesn't work out? And I say, what if it does? What if I don't learn anything? What if you learn everything you need to learn to keep doing it? Because you're going to, if you have that mentality, you're going to fumble around, like you said. You're going to figure it out. But you're also going to learn things that are going to help you not repeat the same mistakes. And then it becomes a very powerful, and then, and then you have momentum. And then, it, and then you're building. And it just begins to become like a you know, snowball effect in the, in, in the right way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that goes with like, you know, carrying professionalism in your business. Because I've been recently, I've been kind of obsessed with, I want to create for my clients, the most professional experience they can actually encounter, you know, like, and I want to have God, my business working all together. But I started asking myself, you know, what the professional, like, what, what does it mean to be professional? And I started realizing, you know, yeah, our actions can be professional, but it's truly just a repetition of knowledge over time because I'm not going to be the same professional at 22 when I'm 40. I'm going to be a heck of a lot wiser. And, you know, when I think of professionals, they have the most knowledge. They have, you know, they're way ahead of the game like that. Excellence. Mm -hmm. Yep. Powerful, man. It's true. Well, we could probably talk for hours more about this and we do, and I'm sure we'll, we'll continue. Um, but I, I want to thank you for coming on and, and, and having a conversation because I think a lot of people unnecessarily stay stuck in some situations until they hear someone's story mm-hmm. and they find themselves in it and they say, wait a minute, I can relate. If he can do it, I can do it. If he's able to do it, I can do it. And so I just appreciate you coming on, being real, being vulnerable, being honest about your journey, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, you know, if, it, if, it, if this video can help one person, then I'll be happy. And that's exactly, you know, what you said is if I can do it, you can do it. And that's, that's the absolute truth.
that's for sure. Yeah, and and especially me. If 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 I could get to the place where I have a successful business that is sustainable, I promise you anybody on this planet can. Yeah. <laughs> Any anyone can do this. <laughs> if you're willing to work and process things and learn, you'll get there eventually. Yep. Yep. In repetition, <laughs> that's it. That's it, man. That's it. Oh, I'll end with this quote, man. Um, I even forget. I even forget who it came from. But I'm, it's, uh, I'm, I'm seeing his face, but I forget his name. He's a business guy. He's also um, in ministry, does a lot of ministry stuff. And he said something to the effect of one time. He said, the best leaders are the people who have made the most mistakes and are willing to talk about it. Very and that... True. That ties right in as a good way to end what we're talking about, because in the midst of your, um, you know, as people listen to my podcast, they're not in recovery or on some sort of recovery journey, but it's not maybe drugs or alcohol or um, entrepreneurs or just uh, people who heard me speak or faith or whatever. And it's just the facts. You're just not going to do everything perfect all the time. And we're not trying, you know, it's not licensed to do it wrong or not take it serious, but in the midst of it, you're just not going to do it all right. But if you have that, you know, it, and it's really a heart posture. It's really just a willingness to give it my best and then learn from the areas and from the ways I didn't do as good as I could have. And it's just, it's a fail-proof way of growth, man. I like that. It's true. And it's pretty, it did. When I was 22, I wasn't doing what you were doing. Makes my head spin a little bit. I was, I was in jail. That's what I was doing. <laughs> or on my way there, out of there. One of the two. But look, man, I thank you. Hey, tell this real quick. Just let them know this. Um, you're on Instagram. You, you post motivational stuff. Um, you take it seriously as part of what you do. How can people follow you, get a hold of you, reach out if they're interested? Yeah, Instagram uh, at Brandon4449. And uh, like you said, yeah, I, I post a, a ton of content on there and um, I want to bring inspiration and motivation and belief into this world because we need it and uh, it'll take you a long way. Yes, it will. I would encourage you guys to follow me. It does these cool little, what are they like one minute or 30 second kind of mindset motivational things? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes mm -hmm. 30 seconds to a minute. So it uh, doesn't take long and definitely full of motivation and inspiration. Keep it up, man. I appreciate you coming on, buddy. Yep. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And thank you guys for joining us on another episode here on the Recovering Reality Podcast. Thanks for joining us on the Recovering Reality Podcast. If you're looking for more recovery resources to help you in your journey, you can access our YouTube channel, a free ebook, our podcast and blogs through recoveringreality.com. You can also connect with us about recovery coaching, sober companionship, or interventions. And if you're looking for treatment for you or a loved one, you can reach out to a very well-respected treatment center called Banyan Treatment Centers at 866-942-8154.